Chapter 1, Part 1 of Memoirs of Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Matt Markgraf. Memoirs of Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds by Charles McKay, Volume 2, Chapter 1, The Crusades part one they heard and up they sprang upon the wing innumerable as when the potent rod of amran's son in egypt's evil day waved round the coast up called a pitchy cloud of locusts warping on the eastern wind that o'er the realm of impious pharaoh hung like night and darkened all the realm of nile so numberless were they all in a moment through the gloom were seen ten thousand banners rise into the air with orient colors waving with them rose a forest huge of spears and thronging helms appeared and serried shields in thick array of depth immeasurable paradise lost every age has its peculiar folly some scheme project or fantasy into which it plunges spurred on either by the love of gain the necessity of excitement, or the mere force of imitation. Failing in these, it has some madness, to which it is goaded by political or religious causes, or both combined. Every one of these causes influenced the Crusades, and conspired to render them the most extraordinary instance upon record of the extent to which popular enthusiasm can be carried. History in her solemn page informs us that the Crusaders were but ignorant and savage men, that their motives were those of bigotry unmitigated and that their pathway was one of blood and tears romance on the other hand dilates upon their piety and heroism and portrays in her most glowing and impassioned hues their virtue and magnanimity the imperishable honor they acquired for themselves and the great services they rendered to christianity in the following pages we shall ransack the stores of both to discover the true spirit that animated the motley multitude who took up arms in the service of the cross leaving history to vouch for facts but not disdaining the aid of contemporary poetry and romance to throw light upon feelings motives and opinions in order to understand thoroughly the state of public feeling in europe at the time when peter the hermit preached the holy war it will be necessary to go back for many years anterior to that event we must make acquaintance with the pilgrims of the eighth ninth and tenth centuries and learn the tales they told of the dangers they had passed and the wonders they had seen pilgrimages to the holy land seem at first to have been undertaken by converted jews and by christian devotees of lively imagination pining with a natural curiosity to visit the scenes which of all others were most interesting in their eyes the pious and the impious alike flocked to jerusalem the one class to feast their sights on the scenes hallowed by the life and sufferings of their lord and the other because it soon became a generally received opinion that such a pilgrimage was sufficient to rub off the long score of sins however atrocious another and very numerous class of pilgrims were the idle and roving who visited palestine then as the moderns visit italy or switzerland now because it was the fashion and because they might please their vanity by retailing on their return the adventures they had met with but the really pious formed the great majority 
every year their numbers increased until at last they became so numerous as to be called the armies of the lord full of enthusiasm they set the dangers and difficulties of the way at defiance and lingered with holy rapture on every scene described by the evangelists to them it was bliss indeed to drink the clear waters of the jordan or be baptized in the same stream where john had baptized the saviour they wandered with awe and pleasure in the purlieus of the temple on the solemn mount of olives or the awful calvary where a god had bled for sinful men to these pilgrims every object was precious relics were eagerly sought after flagons of water from jordan or panniers of mould from the hill of the crucifixion were brought home and sold at extravagant prices to churches and monasteries more apocryphal relics such as the wood of the true cross the tears of the virgin mary the hems of her garments the toe-nails and hair of the apostles even the tents that paul had helped to manufacture were exhibited for sale by the knavish in palestine and brought back to europe with wondrous cost and care a grove of a hundred oaks would not have furnished all the wood sold in little morsels as remnants of the true cross and the tears of mary if collected together would have filled a cistern for upwards of two hundred years the pilgrims met with no impediment in palestine the enlightened harun al-rashid and his more immediate successors encouraged the stream which brought so much wealth into syria and treated the wayfarers with the utmost courtesy the race of fatimite caliphs who although in other respects as tolerant were more distressed for money or more unscrupulous in obtaining it than their predecessors of the house of abbas imposed a tax of a bezant for each pilgrim that entered jerusalem this was a serious hardship upon the poorer sort who had begged their weary way across europe and arrived at the bourne of all their hopes without a coin a great outcry was immediately raised but still the tax was rigorously levied the pilgrims unable to pay were compelled to remain at the gates of the holy city until some rich devotee arriving in his train paid the tax and let them in robert of normandy father of william the conqueror who in common with many other nobles of the highest rank undertook the pilgrimage found on his arrival scores of pilgrims at the gate anxiously expecting his coming to pay the tax for them upon no occasion was such a boon refused the sums drawn from this source were a mine of wealth to the muslim governors of palestine imposed as the tax had been at a time when pilgrimages had become more numerous than ever a strange idea had taken possession of the popular mind at the close of the tenth and commencement of the eleventh century it was universally believed that the end of the world was at hand that the thousand years of the apocalypse were near completion and that jesus christ would descend upon jerusalem to judge mankind all christendom was in commotion a panic terror seized upon the weak the credulous and the guilty who in those days formed more than nineteen twentieths of the population forsaking their homes kindred and occupation they crowded to jerusalem to await the coming of the lord lightened as they imagined of a load of sin by their weary pilgrimage to increase the panic the stars were observed to fall from heaven earthquakes to shake the land and violent hurricanes to blow down the forests all of these and more especially the meteoric phenomena were looked upon as the forerunners of the approaching judgments 
not a meteor shot athwart the horizon that did not fill a district with alarm and send away to jerusalem a score of pilgrims with staff in hand and wallet on their back praying as they went for the remission of their sins men women and even children trudged in droves to the holy city in expectation of the day when the heavens would open and the son of god descend in his glory this extraordinary delusion while it augmented the numbers increased also the hardships of the pilgrims beggars became so numerous on all the highways between the west of europe and constantinople that the monks the great almsgivers upon these occasions would have brought starvation within sight of their own doors if they had not economized their resources and left the devotees to shift for themselves as they could hundreds of them were glad to subsist upon the berries that ripened by the road who before this great flux might have shared the bread and flesh of the monasteries but this was not the greatest of their difficulties on their arrival in jerusalem they found that a sterner race had obtained possession of the holy land the caliphs of baghdad had been succeeded by the harsh turks of the race of seljuk who looked upon the pilgrims with contempt and aversion the turks of the eleventh century were more ferocious and less scrupulous than the saracens of the tenth they were annoyed at the immense number of pilgrims who overran the country and still more so because they shewed no intention of quitting it the hourly expectation of the last judgment kept them waiting and the turks apprehensive of being at last driven from the soil by the swarms that were still arriving heaped up difficulties in their way persecution of every kind awaited them they were plundered and beaten with stripes and kept in suspense for months at the gates of jerusalem unable to pay the golden peasant that was to procure them admission when the first epidemic terror of the day of judgment began to subside a few pilgrims ventured to return to europe their hearts big with indignation at the insults they had suffered everywhere as they passed they related to a sympathizing auditory the wrongs of christendom strange to say even these recitals increased the mania for pilgrimage the greater the dangers of the way the fairer chance that sins of deep dye would be atoned for difficulty and suffering only heightened the merit and fresh hordes issued from every town and village to win favor in the sight of heaven by a visit to the holy sepulchre thus did things continue during the whole of the eleventh century the train that was to explode so fearfully was now laid and there wanted but the hand to apply the torch at last the man appeared on the scene like all who had ever achieved so great an end peter the hermit was exactly suited to the age neither behind it nor in advance of it but acute enough to penetrate its mystery ere it was discovered by any other enthusiastic chivalrous bigoted and if not insane not far removed from insanity he was the very prototype of the time true enthusiasm is always persevering and always eloquent and these two qualities were united in no common degree in the person of this extraordinary preacher he was a monk of amiens and ere he assumed the hood and served as a soldier he is represented of having been ill-favored and low in stature but with an eye of surpassing brightness and intelligence having been seized with the mania of the age he visited jerusalem 
and remained there till his blood boiled to see the cruel persecution heaped upon the devotees on his return home he shook the world by the eloquent story of their wrongs before entering into any further details of the marvellous results of his preaching it will be advisable to cast a glance at the state of the mind of europe that we may understand all the better the causes of his success first of all there was the priesthood which exercising as it did the most conspicuous influence upon the fortunes of society claims the largest share of attention religion was the ruling idea of that day and the only civilizer capable of taming such wolves as then constituted the flock of the faithful the clergy were all in all and though they kept the popular mind in the most slavish subjection with regard to religious matters they furnished it with the means of defence against all other oppression except their own in the ecclesiastical ranks were concentrated all the true piety all the learning all the wisdom of the time and as a natural consequence a great portion of power which their very wisdom perpetually incited them to expand the people knew nothing of kings and nobles except in the way of injuries inflicted the first ruled for or more properly speaking against the barons and the barons only existed to brave the power of the kings or to trample with their iron heels upon the neck of prostrate democracy the latter had no friend but the clergy and these though they necessarily instilled the superstition from which they themselves were not exempt yet taught the cheering doctrine that all men were equal in the sight of heaven thus while feudalism told them they had no rights in this world religion told them they had every right in the next with this consolation they were for the time content for political ideas had as yet taken no root when the clergy for other reasons recommended the crusade the people joined in it with enthusiasm the subject of palestine filled all minds the pilgrims tales of two centuries warmed every imagination and when their friends their guides and their instructors preached a war so much in accordance with their own prejudices and modes of thinking the enthusiasm rose into a frenzy but while religion inspired the masses another agent was at work upon the nobility these were fierce and lawless tainted with every vice endowed with no virtue and redeemed by one good quality alone that of courage the only religion they felt was the religion of fear that and their overboiling turbulence alike combined to guide them to the holy land most of them had sins enough to answer for they lived with their hand against every man and with no law but their own passions they set at defiance the secular power of the clergy but their hearts quailed at the awful denunciations of the pulpit with regard to the life to come war was the business and the delight of their existence and when they were promised remission of all their sins upon the easy condition of following their favorite bent it is not to be wondered that they rushed with enthusiasm to the onslaught and became as zealous in the service of the cross as the great majority of the people who were swayed by more purely religious motives fanaticism and the love of battle alike impelled them to the war while the kings and princes of europe still had another motive for encouraging their zeal 
policy opened their eyes to the great advantages which would accrue to themselves by the absence of so many restless intriguing and bloodthirsty men whose insolence it required more than the small power of royalty to restrain within due bounds thus every motive was favorable to the crusades every class of society was alike incited to join or encourage the war kings and the clergy by policy the nobles by turbulence and the love of domination and the people by religious zeal and the concentrated enthusiasm of two centuries skillfully directed by their only instructors it was in palestine itself that peter the hermit first conceived the grand idea of rousing the powers of christendom to rescue the christians of the east from the thraldom of the mussulmans and the sepulchre of jesus from the rude hands of the infidel the subject engrossed his whole mind even in the visions of the night he was full of it one dream made such an impression upon him that he devoutly believed the saviour of the world himself appeared before him and promised him aid and protection in his holy undertaking if his zeal had ever wavered before this was sufficient to fix it forever peter after he had performed all the penances and duties of his pilgrimage demanded an interview with simeon the patriarch of the greek church at jerusalem though the latter was a heretic in peter's eyes yet he was still a christian and felt as acutely as himself for the persecutions heaped by the turks upon the followers of jesus the good prelate entered fully into his views and at his suggestion wrote letters to the pope and to the most influential monarchs of christendom detailing the sorrows of the faithful and urging them to take up arms in their defiance peter was not a laggard in the work taking an affectionate farewell of the patriarch he returned in all haste to italy pope urban the second occupied the apostolic chair it was at that time far from being an easy seat his predecessor gregory had bequeathed him a host of disputes with the emperor henry the fourth of germany and he had converted philip i of france into an enemy by his strenuous opposition to an adulterous connection formed by that monarch so many dangers encompassed him that the vatican was no secure abode and he had taken refuge in apulia under the protection of the renowned robert guiscard thither peter appears to have followed him though in what spot their meeting took place is not stated with any precision by ancient chroniclers or modern historians urban received him most kindly read with tears in his eyes the epistle from the patriarch simeon and listened to the eloquent story of the hermit with an attention which shewed how deeply he sympathized with the woes of the christian church enthusiasm is contagious and the pope appears to have caught it instantly from one whose zeal was so unbounded giving the hermit full powers he sent him abroad to preach the holy war to all the nations and potentates of christendom the hermit preached and countless thousands answered to his call france germany and italy started at his voice and prepared for the deliverance of zion one of the early historians of the crusade who was himself an eyewitness of the rapture of europe describes the potential appearance of the hermit at this time he says that there appeared to be something of divine in everything which he said or did the people so highly reverenced him that they plucked hairs from the mane of his mule that they might keep them as relics while preaching he wore in general a woolen tunic with a dark-colored mantle which fell down to his heels his arms and feet were bare and he ate neither flesh nor bread 
supporting himself chiefly upon fish and wine he set out says the chronicler from whence i know not but we saw him passing through the towns and villages preaching everywhere and the people surrounding him in crowds loading him with offerings and celebrating his sanctity with such great praises that i never remember to have seen such honors bestowed upon any one thus he went on untired inflexible and full of devotion communicating his own madness to his hearers until europe was stirred from its very depths while the hermit was appealing with such signal success to the people the pope appealed with as much success to those who were to become the chiefs and leaders of the expedition his first step was to call a council at placentia in the autumn of the year ten ninety five here in the assembly of the clergy the pope debated the grand scheme and gave audience to emissaries who had been sent from constantinople by the emperor of the east to detail the progress made by the turks in their design of establishing themselves in europe the clergy were of course unanimous in support of the crusade and the council separated each individual member of it being empowered to preach it to his people end of chapter one part one recording by matt markgraf